0: This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies. A better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be here's Daniel Salerson.
1: What's up? Welcome into the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Salerson here from Studio B. Hope all is well on this Tuesday. We're getting closer and closer to the Thanksgiving holiday. I am very excited and for all those that are already off work, I am super jealous and hope you all are enjoying the time with friends and family. We're still going here on the campus of the Saints and the Pelicans on Airline Drive, and um, we got a good show for you on this Tuesday. Of course, the Tuesday tradition of Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com continues. It's a game day edition as we'll talk to Jim from Atlanta, Georgia, where the Pelicans will take on the Atlanta Hawks tonight at 6:30 Central, and of course. It is Tuesday, so everyone either is happy about their fantasy teams or sad about their fantasy teams as we get closer and closer to the playoffs. And uh, we'll have Jake Seeley on from RotoExpert.com to try to help your team a little bit with some waiver wire pickups and uh, maybe some guys to look out for during the Thanksgiving games on Thursday. A busy day for the Pelicans yesterday as uh, they announced that they signed Anthony Brown to a contract Uh, Anthony Brown most recently played for the Erie Bayhawks of the NBA D-League. Just three games, but averaged 29 points per game on 55% shooting, also 65% from three-point range, including 4.3 rebounds and 4.3 assists. He also played for the Lakers. Um, He was released by the Lakers after training camp. I just think with their young team, they didn't have enough room for Anthony Brown. Uh, So that's why he played in D-League. He was drafted by the Lakers last season in the 2015 NBA Draft, 34th overall. Not sure how many minutes he'll play, but uh, Anthony Roster or Anthony Brown is the Pelicans' 15th man on the roster now as they waved Archie Goodwin on Sunday. We'll uh, hear from Anthony Brown uh, later on in our Pelicans warm-up show. And, of course, you can watch his uh, first m- greetings with the media on Pelicans.com. We'll also talk to Jim Eikenhofer from Pelicans.com about him. And uh, also yesterday, NBA announced that Anthony Davis has won the Western Conference Player of the Week. For last week, averaging almost 34 points and 14 rebounds, three blocks, two steals. Last week in the 3-1 and week for the Pelicans, it was 3-0 when Davis played because Davis did not playing the game against Orlando, including th- two straight 38-point games. I know everyone talked about the play of Drew Holiday, which was warranted, but everyone uh, kind of sliding behind the back burner was Anthony Davis with two straight 38-point games, and uh, it didn't go unnoticed as the league named him for just the second time, surprisingly, nba player of the week so uh also the uh week that was in the nfl is now officially done and uh the raiders big win over the texans last night 27 to 20 pretty cool seeing the game in mexico city i believe it was the first monday night football game outside of american soil so it was pretty cool to see that happening except for the laser pointers that were going in brock osweiler's face uh that probably was not the best thing but uh Brock handled it pretty well, but unfortunately the Texans fall 27-20. And how about the two top teams in each conference? You have the Oakland Raiders now leading the AFC at 8-2, and and you have the Dallas Cowboys at 9-1. The last time those two teams were atop the conferences, 1983. This is after Week 10. So 1983 after Week 10, that's the last time the Raiders and the Cowboys together were atop the NFC and the AFC. So uh, now we turn our attention, as far as the Saints are concerned, to the Los Angeles Rams. And we'll have more about the Los Angeles Rams tomorrow with Jen Hale, who uh, actually saw Jared Goff in person in his debut last week. So we'll talk to Jen Hale about that. All right, enough from me. Let's get going here. On today's show, we'll start with Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com, and then we'll talk fantasy football with Jake Seeley from MotoExperts.com. Stay with us. This is the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue
2: You're at a dinner
3: party. You're seated next to a loudmouth. Plus, there's no bread. Why is there no bread? Myrtle, the family chow chow, seems very interested in you. But you're allergic to Myrtle, and you left your inhaler at home. But it doesn't have to be this way. Win the night with the New Orleans Pelicans. Facing off against the Minnesota Timberwolves the night before Thanksgiving. Pick up a Pierre's party pack for tickets, food, and free throws. Visit
0: pelicans.com for tickets and win the night. Got a long day ahead? Power on with Smoothie King's new coffee high-protein smoothies. It's a nutritious breakfast blended to shift your morning into high gear with delightfully smooth cold-brewed coffee for your mind and at least 30 grams of protein for your body. Try all four energizing flavors, vanilla, almond mocha, raspberry mocha, and cinnamon latte, and power on your day. New coffee high-protein smoothies. Coffee for your mind and protein for your body. Only at Smoothie King, smoothies with a purpose it's Pelicans game day this is the black and blue report
1: welcome back to the show time to talk some Pelicans on this Tuesday it is a Pelicans game day as the Pelicans take on the Atlanta Hawks tonight in Atlanta Georgia my hometown and joining me from my hometown is Jim Eikenhofer from Pelicans.com Jim happy game day hope all is well in the ATL
4: everything's great well things are things are looking up they've won two Pelicans have won two games in a row Gonna try to see if they can get a third tonight against the
1: Hawks. Yeah, very tough task tonight against a tough Atlanta Hawks team. I'll get to that in just a little bit, but let's talk about those two wins. Two big wins against the Portland Trail Blazers and the Charlotte Hornets, two teams that uh, are playoff teams as of now. Of course, I think the common denominator in those two games were was the return of Drew Holiday, averaging around 21 points, eight assists, but what did you see in those two games that uh, kind of, I wouldn't say surprised you, but kind of the reasoning behind those two wins?
4: Well, I think... Drew adds his own scoring punch where he, he had he averaged over 20 points in those two games but also I think he makes it easier for the other guys to to play well offensively. One thing that's interesting I I wasn't sure if it was even this was even possible but it's in a way it seems like Anthony Davis's last two games have been kind of overshadowed by just by the obvious and reasonably so that that Drew came back and that's a huge story but Anthony Davis scored 38 points in both of those games, and it's like I think a combination of we we're so used to his production being so high that it's you don't even really bat an eye when he scores 38 points, even two games in a row. But also just the 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 factor with Drew being such a big story, it's just funny to look back on it and say, man, he almost scored 40 points in both of those games, and yet it wasn't really that big of a deal in in the in the scheme of things
1: but he did win player of the week, which is something that surprisingly only Davis has done twice in his five-year career. As you mentioned, he averaged 33.7 points per game, 13.7 rebounds. The team went 3-1 and overall, but he went 3-0 because he missed that Orlando game. So is it, does it surprise you that Davis has only won this award twice in his five years?
4: It does a little bit, but I think under some of the circumstances that have happened in the past, um, they, the, there's been weeks where he's had huge numbers and the team's lost a couple games so it seems like they only give the award to guys whose team either go undefeated or lose just one game partly because there's so much competition within a week you're, you're going to have a bunch of teams uh, in any given week where a few a few teams go undefeated so you're going to look for player of the week to go to somebody from one of those teams and then there might be a handful of other teams that only lose one game so um, I think sometimes he's been hurt by the fact that the The team's had weeks where it's lost multiple games, but like you said, um, he went quote-unquote undefeated this week because the only game he missed was the Orlando game, but the other three games that he played in were all wins and all against pretty good teams, so you combine what he did individually with what the Pelicans did in those three games that he played, and I think he was definitely deserving of the honor this week.
1: I want to go back to kind of the Drew Holiday effect and what this means for this team moving forward now. Do you feel like the confidence and just kind of their mindset has changed with Drew Holiday being back? Kind of guys have gone back to some of the roles they were expected to play early on in the season. Guys like Tim Frazier, even though Tim still played uh, some good minutes with Drew on the floor, but Etwan Moore and uh, just the Langston Galloway, you know, playing well too. Is he – do you just see a different team right now? Even just in two games, do you feel like this team has kind of turned the corner even just a little bit right now?
4: Yeah, I definitely do, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next um, bunch of games to see if this continues. But I do think that there's a certain immeasurable aspect of having a guy who who's produced the way Drew has in his career and somebody who's capable of averaging 20 points in a season or close to that and has done that in the past there's a certain um, effect that that has on opposing defenses where they have to, they, you, you draw so much attention when you have a guy like that out there. And I think that as you kind of alluded to um, some of the other guys were probably asked to, to do a little bit too much or more than they ever have in their career. And, you know, I think sometimes you can get by if you have a guy or here to a guy here or there, who's in a role that's bigger than what they've been used to. But it, it seems like, almost across the board that's been the case so and I think Tim is probably a good situation as well um or a good example as well where you know he's he probably hasn't been he, he definitely hasn't been in a situation like this before where he's had to start from the beginning of the season and um you know it's just there's been uh it's just it's just a better uh it just seems like it's a better fit for everybody and I also I think too sometimes as much as people were in an uproar during the 0-8 start and people were disappointed, I, I, I was disappointed, everyone was, you have to remember that this team was not put together, this team was put together with the idea for this season that Drew would be available, and obviously no one knew that he wouldn't wasn't going to be there, and it was completely unforeseen the circumstances that happened, so it's been good to see what, what the team looks like with him on the floor, even though he's still kind of playing like relatively limited minutes it's it's incredible the impact that he's had right away in the first two games
1: yeah no doubt about that um let's move on to a new pelicans player that uh, was announced yesterday uh anthony brown he was cut by the lakers um during training camp i believe more it was just a roster cut as far as they didn't have enough room to keep him um has been shooting lights out in the d league almost 30 points per game 65 percent from three was a great shooter all his career at stanford Um, besides basically shooting or what else can you tell us about Anthony Brown and what can he bring to this team or is it more just another body right now and kind of a low risk high reward uh, acquisition
4: I don't think I know a ton about him as a player I think the what you mentioned is really the main thing the main characteristic that people talk about with him is that he's a a really good spot up shooter not as much of a like off the dribble kind of guy create your own shot player Um, he had he got some experience with the Lakers on um, a team that wasn't a contender and that was really out of the race. So they were able to give young guys and unproven guys, a lot of minutes. So um, I think one of the things though, that is I'll be watching with him. That'll be interesting is to see how much of an opportunity he gets. Obviously the guy that he was that was waived to create the spot for him, Archie Goodwin, he had a chance to play here and there, but when drew came back, his minutes really um, kind of evaporated and, Buddy Heald, who's a, who's ahead of Archie Goodwin in the rotation, um, his minutes have also decreased. So for somebody like Anthony Brown, who was signed and you know to to um, complete the roster and get you back up to 15 guys, I'm not sure if it's a given that he's going to get a chance to play. So um, that'll be. I mean, I think that's really the biggest thing right now that I'm I'll be watching with him is just what kind of opportunities he gets because there's there's definitely not it's definitely not a sure thing if you really look at the rotation and the the situation of the roster that you're going to see him, for example, on the floor tonight or in the next couple games. But I could be wrong, but we'll, uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see.
1: Yeah, we'll keep an eye out on that, that's for sure. Um, let's talk about tonight's game between the Pelicans and the Hawks. Um, Hawks are kind of reeling a little bit. Two losses in a row, uncharacteristic of a Mike Bootenholzer team. Pelicans on a two-game winning streak. Um, Pelicans have had, haven't had that much success against the Hawks in Atlanta. Um, what are some of the keys tonight to make this three in a row against a, a very tough Atlanta team? I
4: think one thing against the Hawks that's always important is that you have to be in the right spots on defense. They, they're one of the best teams in the league at executing their offense and getting easy baskets. Um, it seems like a lot of times when you play against them, they'll get a handful or more of, of backdoor cuts for layups, and they're, they're just a really crisp uh, passing team. They seem to get the ball to guys in the right spots. So it's one of those things where you have to be aware and alert on defense at all times. One good thing for the Pelicans I think as we've talked about a little bit in this early part of the season is even though they got off to a slow start record wise their defense has been a lot better so far this year and even you know some of the guys that haven't gotten off to good offensive starts and people have looked at that for example Solomon Hill some of the guys like that have contributed defensively and I think you've seen a better defensive team and I think now that Drew is back and maybe able to play more minutes as time goes on, you're going to see the the ranking of the team go up even more. I think right now they're 16th or 17th in defensive efficiency, something like that. So I think if they, I'm not sure if, if it was ever stated that they wanted to be a top 10 team, but I think I am curious to see if that is within reach once, you know, t- as time goes on and they, they keep making more strides defensively.
1: Yeah, real quick before I let you go, I think one of the key players tonight is going to be Omar Asik, um, and as surprising as that is. Asik has always had a good games against Dwight Howard, maybe not offensively, but defensively, and against a, a bigger Atlanta team. Asik is going to play a key role tonight, don't you think?
4: Yeah, I think so. And, you know, one of the interesting stats about Atlanta that they haven't really had much of a low post presence the last few years because they had Horford and Millsap, and those guys are both uh, – still have Millsap. Those guys are both face-up guys that can take you out to the three-point line and shoot jumpers and stuff like that, but – um, Atlanta's actually leading the NBA in, in post touches so far, based on the, the stats from nba.com. Um, because of dwight howard they're, they're actually a team that does dump the ball inside. He doesn't take a ton of shots. It's not like back to his his um, heyday when he was with Orlando where you know maybe he he a- could average like in the 20s points per game, but um he's definitely more of a of a of a threat and more of a focal point of their offense than anything that they've had recently so. As you said, I think Omer is going to be important tonight because he's um, going to be matched up against Dwight Howard, and, and um, it's one of those one of those matchups where I think Omer is a lot more comfortable because it really is kind of a traditional center, even though those are kind of fading away in the NBA. It's a guy that's that's more suited to, to Omer's style of play.
1: Alright, that's Jim Mike and Offer from Pelicans.com. Make sure you read his work before and after the game on Pelicans.com and the Pelicans Bubble app. Jim, I appreciate the time. Bring back a win and we'll talk to you tomorrow at the arena.
4: Sounds good. I will see you tomorrow.
1: All right, time to talk fantasy football with Jake Seely next on the black and blue report.
3: It's family night. You take the wife and kids to a new hibachi restaurant. The flames go up. Your wife's eyebrows get singed off. And Junior leaves with a black eye, thanks to a projectile shrimp. But it doesn't have to be this way. Win the night with the New Orleans Pelicans facing off against the Minnesota Timberwolves the night before Thanksgiving. Pick up a Pierre's party pack for tickets, food, and free throws. Visit pelicans.com for tickets and win the night.
0: Smoothie King Center. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com, 800-745-3000, or Venue Box Office. Maxwell and Mary Jane Clyde
5: live. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day.
0: Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up.
3: Sometimes cancer patients come who were told they were out of options, but Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances.
5: We're always a step ahead, even with simple things, like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-OCHSNER or visit Ochsner.org.
0: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson.
1: All right, time to talk some fantasy football on this Tuesday. Joining me now, as always, is Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com, part of our fantasy focus presented by Campbell Soup. Hello, Jake. Hope this Tuesday finds you well. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family.
5: Yes, you as well. Excited for some extra football this week.
1: Yeah, three games, and uh, we'll definitely get to the Thanksgiving Day games in just a little moment. But let's talk about uh, first the big injury news out of Cincinnati, A.J. Green is out for the Bengals. Not sure how long, but um, he has that hamstring issue. Uh, how much does this affect Bengals wide receivers and Andy Dalton fantasy wise?
5: Well, obviously, I think we all know it's going to take Andy Dalton a little bit of a step back. I don't think it's going to be egregious, but you can't take a talent like A.J. Green out of a lineup and expect everything to just be as good as it was before. We saw that they struggled a little bit at times early in the season with no Tyler Eifert, and now you have a whole other level of wide receiver. So I think look, if you look at the team, Tyler Boyd is a name that's been floating around a lot, as people are saying, to go pick up. And I like his talent coming to the draft, somebody that can find space over the middle the field, do a lot after the catch. So I think he'll be able to step up. I think Brandon LaFell will be able to be their red zone option. If I'm playing in standard leagues, I probably go after Brandon LaFell. If I'm in PPR, I go after Tyler Boyd. I'm okay with ending up with either one of them, because I think there's going to be some inconsistencies. I think once they get to the red zone, it's going to be a lot of Tyler Eifert. So his value might actually go up a little bit. Uh, and then, again, uh, red zone option, I think more of Brandon LaFell. But if you look at the running game, too, because no Giovanni Bernard, I think Jeremy Hill is now almost in the conversation of being an RB1 because the biggest thing with Jeremy Hill is he would have games of 9 carries, 10 carries, 11 carries, and those were the down games where if he doesn't score a touchdown, uh, you're a little bit worried. But now, with the fact that he's going to be 18, 20 carries every single week, that floor is now up to a 6, 7 points in standard leagues, where if he scores a touchdown, he's getting double-digit points. He's going to be very nice to have on your team for the rest of the way, assuming I know that it's still cloudy on the A.J. Green situation of whether it's going to be the rest of the season or a few weeks, but at least until A.J. Green is back, and with the fact that Gio's out, I think Hill and Eifer are the obvious guys you want, but Brandon LaFell and Tyler Boyd can have some value in deeper leagues.
1: All right, let's move over to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who got Doug Martin back. Uh, not the greatest of gains, but still uh, – did pretty decent from the run game and also from the passing game. How should Doug Martin owners uh, should Doug Martin Owners be confident with his return?
5: I think so. I think if you look at the schedule the rest of the way is very favorable for the Buccaneers. If you look at the fact Doug Martin too is last year, as much as he was in RB one, that was sharing time with Charles Sims in most of the games. Charles Sims is still yeah, he's on the doubtful side of coming back this season. He still can and maybe get involved in the last week or two. But at this point, if you look at somebody if any running back that's going to be getting 70, 80, 90% of the workload in the backfield is always going to have some value, even if you're just an adequate running back by standards of other players in the league. But if you look at Doug Martin, he's a talented player, and he can be used in both aspects of the game, whereas before you know, there was a lot more Charles Sims in the passing game. I think you look at him, look at the schedule, you look at the situation, you add all those things together, and he's definitely – I would put him ahead of Jeremy Hill. Is he's probably not only an RB1, he's probably inside the top ten just because he has – Like you said, it wasn't the best game, but the volume is there, and he has that upside to always have 120, 130 total yards and a possible touchdown, so that upside alone is going to make him very valuable for the stretch run. All
1: right, let's talk about Thanksgiving Day. There's nothing better than football on Thanksgiving. Um, Three games, as you mentioned. Um, Give me a sleeper player that we should look out for in every game. So you have Cowboys, Redskins, Lions, Vikings, and Colts and Steelers.
5: Yeah, If you're looking at the Vikings and Lions, I think that you got to look at Adam Thielen again. I know people are going to be on him after last week and say, oh, look, he had a, a really nice game. But this is a tough game to find, sleepers. We know everybody in these games. We know Theo Riddick, Golden Tate, Eric Ebron. Uh, the backfield for Minnesota has been pretty rough. I actually wouldn't want to use anybody there. And We know about... Actually, you know, between the two, we know about Stefan Diggs, but Kyle Rudolph has been a little bit up and down. But Detroit Lions, all they do is give up touchdowns to tight ends. So he's a great play as this Thielen because he's been a nice number two option. Now that Shermer's taken off the offense and they've been passing a little bit more, I think he can still have some value in this game. The Redskins, the Cowboys, I think this is more of, it's not again, this is another one where I don't think he's necessarily a sleeper. He's just not getting the attention deserved, and that's Cole Beasley against a Washington team that likes to pass. Both these teams should, on paper, this should be one of these 30 to 27 type of games. And if so, Cole Beasley has been a very nice piece in this offense, and if people don't even realize he's in the top 30 for wide receivers right now. So that's why I'll call him a sleeper by not name, but just by attention only. And then in the last game, I really like Eli Rogers for this situation. You know, again, he's somebody who had a quiet week last week, expecting more out of Pittsburgh on the road in Cleveland, but Ben Roethlisberger tends to struggle on the road. But at least this week it's in a dome against Indianapolis. I know Scott Tolzien might be at quarterback for Indianapolis, but – Pittsburgh is still offense, that whether or not the other team is scoring points, they're pretty aggressive anyway, and given the matchup here, Eli Rogers could do a lot of damage to somebody that was picked up a few weeks ago, and people were hoping for more after Sammy Coates is dealing with these broken fingers. I think this is a game where you can find them getting 6-7 catches for like
1: 80-90 yards. Alright, how about two or three waiver pickups for this weekend?
5: Yeah, you're going to need them after this week. It's mm-hmm. After two weeks of not dealing with too much, we have running backs going down, wide receivers going down, so Looking at the ownership percentage, Chris Ivory is a name I was actually a little bit surprised to see his ownership percentage as low as it was, and I would immediately go grab him. He and Wendell Smallwood are the top two, and a lot of people are going to be on Wendell Smallwood with Ryan Matthews out for the Eagles, but Darren Sproles sounds like he's going to be playing through that cracked rib, so his upside's capped a little bit, and that's why I go back to Ivory. as being Again, pick up Smallwood for sure, but I'm going to Chris Ivory because if you watch the game against the Lions, once he was the full running back in the backfield when, when they lost T.J. Yeldon, he's 6-6 six six catching the ball, which is if you add that to his game, if you look at what he did last year, he was the number one running back for the Jets. He's somebody that the rest of the way, as long as T.J. Yeldon's out, you're going to give him 20 touches out of the backfield. At least he's going to be an RB2 just by volume alone, and we've already seen him be able to be an RB1. So love both of them. I talked about the Bengals receivers, but if you're missing out on him and Eli Rogers. Uh, What other is Marquise Lee? He's really started to take over as the number two receiver for the Jaguars. He has at least four receptions and 50 yards in each of the last three games and at least four catches in every game since week one, especially in PPR leagues. Marquise Lee is a little sneaky receiver that's just nobody's paying attention to. His ownership percentage is under five.
1: Wow, good to know there. Um, What about Tim Hightower as far as the Saints are concerned? Because Mark Ingram is getting back to more of the carries that he normally had. Uh, before all that fumbling, Uh, but Tim Hightower is still getting some touches. Where does Tim Hightower rank as far as RBs are concerned? Not only for this week, but maybe moving forward.
5: Yeah, obviously this week depends a lot on if Ingram can make it back from the concussion. If he's out, Hightower's in the conversation. to be a fringe RB1. We've seen what he's done when Ingram was out on the sideline for that one game in the opposite. Heck, we saw what he did in the last game when he took over, when Ingram got knocked out. But if Ingram is back on the field, which we're all hoping for because he has a nice 10 days since that last game, that's the one fortunate thing about it. I think they're both Warranted enough to be at least, I would say Mark Ingram is a solid high-end RB 2 I'd say Tim Hightower is still a flex option running back because if you've seen what they've done since that game where Hightower took over for Ingram, they started to use a committee backfield, or I should say shared backfield because the committee is usually three people, but split carries in the backfield. And if you look at this matchup over the last two games for the Rams, they let 139 total rushing yards and 24 fancy points to the Jets. And they let Jay Ajayi rush for 77 yards on 16 carries last week, which the carries weren't there, but that was more to do with the Dolphins and their game plan, losing a lot of offensive linemen. So the opportunity is there for both of them to have a good game, even if Ingram is back. So I think that high is in the flex running back conversation for the rest of the season. Ingram is a high end RB 2 if both of them are out there.
1: All right, and the most important question that I did not prep you for is your favorite go-to Thanksgiving food on this great holiday.
5: Oh, it's got to be – it's a tie for me. I really love the biscuits with butter, but it's also my mom's sweet potatoes. I actually kind of take a bite of sweet potato and then a biscuit at the same time, and that's just perfect.
1: Oh, man, I can't wait. Can't wait for some football, (laughs) some Thanksgiving. It should be a good time. Uh, Jake, really appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy it with your family, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday. All right, you do the same, thanks. All right, when we come back, I'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report.
5: Hi, Vincent Palumbo here. Terminex is the home of the $650 lifetime termite repair guarantee. Terminex provides termite protection and pest control. Call Terminex for all your pest problems. 834
3: You're at a dinner party. You're seated next to a loudmouth. Plus, there's no bread. Why is there no bread? Myrtle, the family chow-chow, seems very interested in you. But you're allergic to Myrtle, and you left your inhaler at home. But it doesn't have to be this way. Win the night with the New Orleans Pelicans facing off against the Minnesota Timberwolves the night before Thanksgiving. Pick up a Pierre's party pack for tickets, food, and free throws. Visit pelicans.com for tickets
2: and win the night. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere try the delicious chunky chicken and sausage gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup. The hearty way to fuel your game. And the official soup of the New Orleans Saints.
0: Follow us on Twitter at BlackBlueReport.
1: right, time to wrap things up here from Studio B. A great show today. Big thanks to Jim Knoffer from Pelicans.com and Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com. One more show before we take a Thanksgiving break. No shows on Thursday and Friday, but we have a good one for you uh, tomorrow. Uh, Another Pelicans game day as the Pelicans welcome in the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's an 830 game because it's the second game of an ESPN doubleheader. So I'll have Pelicans warm up for you starting at eight o'clock. No television, uh, local television on Fox Sports New Orleans because of the ESPN game. And so because of that, we still will have David Wesley on from uh, Fox Sports New Orleans because it is a Wesley Wednesday, of course. And we'll have Jen Hale on, also from Fox Sports New Orleans, but also the NFL on Fox. As I mentioned in our first segment, Jen Hale had the Rams game last week and against the Miami Dolphins and saw the Rams up close and saw Jared Goff's NFL debut. So uh, Sean Kelly will talk to her about what can the Saints expect From the Los Angeles Rams and since the Pelicans are on ESPN, we'll get the guy calling the game for ESPN, Ryan Rucco, who called the last game on ESPN for the Pelicans. We'll have him on to talk about tomorrow's game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. For tonight, 6.30 Central tip for Pelicans and Hawks. This one is on Fox Sports New Orleans and also on the radio, 99.5 WRNO and the Pelicans Radio Network. I'll have Pelicans warm up for you at 6 and a pregame on Fox Sports New Orleans will start at six as well, Pelicans looking to extend their winning streak to three. We hope to extend the Hawks' losing streak to three as they've lost two in a row um, before heading into tonight's game. So lots of stuff for you. Log on to Pelicans.com, Pelicans mobile app, for all your pregame info. And we'll talk to you tonight on the radio. And uh, hope you enjoy Thanksgiving, as this will be the last time I talk to you. Before Thanksgiving, happy holidays. Enjoy the time. Don't drink and drive and be safe. And Enjoy the time with your friends. And family. Until tomorrow, I'm Daniel Sallerson. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, The Black and Blue Report.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of The Black and Blue Report, presented by ADC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleanssaints.com.